Welcome to the Anchor Church Podcast. We are so glad you're here. For more content and upcoming events, visit anchorchurchcsra.com. All right, friends, join me in your copy of God's Word, Luke chapter 1. We're going to be there together in Luke chapter 1. And this morning, I want to talk to you about the great calling of Christmas. How many of you guys are getting more excited for Christmas? I mean, it just grows. Come on now. Yeah, it just grows and grows and grows. Yes, man, I'm getting more excited every single day we get closer to Christmas. I'm just that more excited uh, to not only worship with you guys on Christmas, it's like, I guess, every seven years or so we get to do that. And so it's going to be amazing. Um, Now, I really do want to encourage you, if you're here, I know a lot of you are traveling, but if you're here and if you're uh, able to come that morning at 10 a.m. It's be same time. We're not changing anything as far as the time goes. Don't want to confuse anybody, but we'd love for you to be here. Like Tabor said, um, you know, come as you are that morning. So jammy pants and all, just come on. Uh, you know, we're going to open presents for a little bit before and then come to church and then kind of hit the play button again right after. So we hope you'll join us that day for Christmas and then New Year's in case you're wondering. Same time, same place. We didn't change anything. So it's going to be incredible. Luke chapter 1, verse 26. And today the title of the message is A Servant Surrendered. Because what God is doing in this very room, he's looking for people. God bless you. He's looking for people who are available to him. Who are available. Who say, God, I don't have a lot, but here I am. Here I am. Problems and all, flaws and all. Here I am, I'm, I'm coming just as I am, and I'm asking you, God, to do something that I could never take credit for. And so this really could also be titled The Great Calling of Christmas, because we're going to talk about Mary's uh, calling and the birth announcement of Jesus, but really I want to I look at the angle of Mary's calling and how she would have processed. And really, there's five truths about God. If you're taking notes, five truths that we want to very quickly tell you about this morning. We want to dive into those things because Scripture is not always about us. In fact, Scripture is not about us at all. It's really about God. It's really about who He is. But as we see who He is, and as we recognize why He does what He does, and then what that has to do with us, our lives are changed. Every time we come to it, even if you've heard it, like Evan said, repetitive over and over and over again. We need to hear that. I need to hear that. I feel like every time I preach through any passage that I'm up here preaching through, I'm reminded of things even as I'm telling you about them. So it's good for all of us to be reminded. So let's go with the first one. Let's just dive right in. Our God, listen to what our God does. Our God is about sending messengers, sending messengers to the most unlikely places for his mission. It's what he does. I'm going to let you write that down. We're going to leave that up there for a minute for those of you jotting that down. Our God, last, last week we talked about this. We talked about the fact that God is a, is a visiting God. At Christmas, we talk about the incarnation. God who is spirit, he's not a man or like humankind. He's not like us. But God put on skin and bones to come down to this earth to do for us what we could not do for ourselves. And that is to Safe, but what God is also about, He's not only a visiting God, He not only comes through the personal work of Jesus Christ, but what He also does, He sends. Our God is a sending God. Our God is a visiting God, our God is a sending God. And God is always sending. He's sending. He sends His angels to communicate 
great and awesome and mighty things, really what the angel's job is, is not to show up and get cute and creative and say whatever they want. No, the angel's job is to show up and say exactly what God says to the people. Think about the prophets of the Old Testament. Micah, right, Taylor? Micah. You know, uh, Jonah, um, you know, we got Isaiah and all these prophets on the left side of your Bible that showed up and they said, I didn't make this up. This is, this, this is what God says. And the great thing is, all these guys over thousands of years of writing scripture, just take the Old Testament alone. It all makes sense together. It fits together like one big jigsaw puzzle. It's amazing. So, our God's sending messages. So, let's look at the sending this morning in verse 26, chapter 1. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel, so that's who's sent, the angel Gabriel, he's like the lead herald angel, okay? Hark the herald angel sing. Gabriel's like the number one guy that you're going to hear about in all the Bible. Gabriel comes, he was sent by God, that should be underlined in our Bibles, our God is ascending God, to a town in Galilee called Nazareth. Now, I know when, when Dr. Luke uh, Luke was a doctor, historian. He cared a lot about the details. A lot of you detail-oriented people, so you get it. He included this detail for a reason. Galilee and Nazareth. Galilee, the region. Nazareth, the specific place. Now, as you would have shared back then, you would have said Nazareth. People would have been like, Nazareth who? Where? Exactly. Like, how many of you guys know exactly where Deering, Georgia is? Anybody? Anybody know where Deering is? Yeah, but... If you're not from around here, you haven't been here long, like, Deering? What? What's Deering? It's in between Harlem and Thompson. It's like, you know, you'll blow right past it if you're not careful, okay? We think about communities like, um, maybe even like an Appling, or maybe even smaller, like a, or like a Blythe. How many of you guys know where Blythe is? Yeah, okay. So, yeah, it's like, where? Exactly. And here was the overall feeling about Nazareth. Ready? Nazareth was the most unlikely place that God would do anything significant, and this is what God does. Here's his playbook, ready? In the Bible, we see God does amazing, mighty, miraculous things in the last place that you thought, in, with the last person that you would think, okay? And why is this encouraging for us? Well, one reason is because I know, I know this about us, about both of us, is that many times we think, yeah, okay, God did something great for them or did that through them. You know, we read these stories. We read these amazing stories about what God is doing. We're like, man, that's really good for them. Man, I just, I just don't see God doing that in my life. I, I, could, I could never, I mean, that's good for them. I could never do that. Man, I'm glad, I'm glad they're gifted in that way. I couldn't do that. And, what, and here's where we miss it sometimes. This is, that, that, that's exactly the place where God begins to work in your heart because we feel like the most unlikely people to do X, Y, or Z. But in fact, God is looking for servants who are ready to be sent by him to do not what they can do of their own power. Jesus Christ said himself in John 15, he said, apart from me, you can do nothing. We need him. So if you're ever like, man, I couldn't do that. Yeah, you're right. You can't do it. But God can and he can do it through you. So we come to Nazareth, this unlikely place, this disgraced place. The Jews in the area believed about Nazareth. They were like, man, those are, those are scum of the earth people. You want to know why? Because the Romans took over Nazareth and it's so overrun with pagans and non-Jews and like people that just believe in all these gods and worship all these idols and stuff like that. Nazareth, Nazareth is the scum of the earth. That was how it was thought of. In John 1 one of the disciples, as Jesus was calling him, said something like this. Can anything good come from Nazareth? 
when referencing to our Savior. And so that's the context. This disgraced region, disgraced, tiny, small, unlikely town, we come to a place that, again, unqualified, shameful. Can anything good come from Nazareth? And then we get introduced to a young girl. Look back with me in verse 27. A virgin engaged to a man named Joseph. Now, been a lot of critical scholarship that want to make virgin mean something different than what it means. We're not going to unpack what that means. I think y'all know what that means, okay? Virgin means virgin. This is going to be a miracle. This is going to be something that this young girl, it's, it's going to blow her mind. She can't even fathom what's about to happen. A virgin betrothed or engaged, this was a unique thing. It's not like our engagement where engagements can be broken off. An engagement broken off back then would have been a divorce. It, I mean, like, engage, like betrothal was ser- way, way more serious than a 2022 engagement. Okay? So she was engaged to Joseph of the house of David. Last week we talked about the Davidic covenant, the promise to David. And here's what it was. If you missed last week, here's, here's the promise to David in 2 Samuel 7. You, you don't have to turn there now. You can maybe just jot it down to read later. 2 Samuel 7. Just read the whole chapter. But he tells David, he said, hey, you're a king right now. That's good. You got a son coming. He's going to be an awesome king. But one day I'm going to send a king. He's going to be a forever king. And all these kings that have come in Israel and all the ones that are going to come after you, they're going to be imperfect. But this, but this savior king that I'm sending, he's everything that you've ever needed. He's the king that I prepared. He's the Messiah, the anointed one. And so whenever you see House of David in the New Testament, that's what Luke is drawing our mind back to. It's that this simple truth, God keeps his promises. He keeps them every time. So the House of David, we got this family. The virgin's name was Mary. She's likely anywhere from 12 to 14 years old. That's right, just a youth. Many, many scholars believe that she was actually closer to the 12-year-old mark rather than the older um, viewpoints of like being 14, 15. Just think about that. A 12-year-old girl betrothed to her future husband, unlikely, disgraced, unqualified, likely felt like she definitely believed in God, but like what, what can God through, do through a girl raised in Nazareth? A, b- a bunch of Nazareth people. Well, listen to the second truth about God. Write this down. Here's what. Our God is about showing his favor to those who have been disgraced. This is the gospel. Showing his grace favor to those who have been disgraced. The gospel of Jesus Christ, the good news I'm going to give you two words, shame reversal, shame reversal. If you've ever felt broken, shame, guilt over the sin in your life, number one, because that's what sin does, sin, we're all sinners, we don't follow God's way, we're predisposed to not, actually. Lying comes natural, deception comes natural, pride comes natural, right? Anybody else struggle with those things? I definitely do. Yeah, it's hard. And it fills us with shame. But what Jesus does, he comes, he's perfect. Jesus is perfect. And he comes to take that shame away, to give us a spiritual rest. 
and he turns shame in what God does. Here's, here's something else God does. He takes away that shame, and then he brings this thing called conviction. Everybody say conviction. What conviction is, conviction doesn't bring about shame and condemnation. Conviction says, hey, that's wrong, but here's a better way. Let's repent. Let's turn away from that. Shame and conviction says, you stink. You're terrible. You're nothing. You're worthless. You'll never change. You're never anything but this and this and that. It's hopeless for you. That's what the devil's all about. But what Jesus is all about, he says, I'm going to take your, your disgrace and I'm going to infuse it with my grace. And so this is what he does. Look at verse 28. And the angel came to Mary, to her, and says, greetings, favored woman. Now, Jerome wrote the Latin Vulgate in and around 400, and that translation is where we have heard the term before, Hail Mary, full of grace. And the Catholics ran wild with it, okay? And we've got billion-dollar uh, cathedrals de devoted to Mary, people saying they, they see Mary statues crying blood and all this kind of stuff, and people just on their faces to Mary because now, because of this verse taken out of context, now, now we have Mariolatry. And I can promise you, Mary would be disgusted if she saw the way that she is worshipped as an idol in this day and age. And I grew up Catholic, so I, so I prayed my way around the rosary. And what I was taught from a young age is that Mary was the dispenser of grace. And she's full of grace. She's where all the grace flows from. But friends, there is one mediator between God and man, one God that dispenses that grace. And I want to show you the real Mary this morning. And here's, here's the real Mary. Ready? Greetings, favored woman. What does favor mean? Favor is grace. So yeah, it means grace. But how many of you have been recipients of grace? Anybody? Every person in this room has been a recipient of grace. Common grace, that's available to all people. The sun came up this morning. You're sitting in a building. The roof is not caving in on you right now. You're in a chair. You know, like you, we, we, we could all jot down the basic things to be thankful for, right? Air in our lungs, food in our pantry, like things like that. So we have that common grace. But then special grace is what comes from God's word. It's what came through Jesus Christ. It's forgiveness of our sins. It's when we repent and put our faith in him, we're saved and we're given this grace that we did not earn for ourselves. but it's a grace gift. And that's what we're gonna really focus on, especially around Christmas time. So he shows up. He calls her favored woman. Did she feel like a favored woman? No, I can guarantee you she didn't. Do we feel like the things that God calls us in scripture sometimes? More than conquerors? Do you feel like more than a conqueror right now? No, sometimes we don't, do we? Sometimes we feel like we got kicked somewhere that hurts, or we're down and out right now. We're sucking wind, and we need some help. As we continue to cast vision for this young church, let me assure you that this is a place where you can come and bring your struggles. You can be real, and you will receive support. We built mechanisms in for that. We have community groups here that we want you to join, and not just to join another program, but because we want you to have that group that will have your back through anything. And if you're not involved with one, you want to be involved with one, take that card right next to you. There's cards everywhere. Just flip it over to the next step side. I want to join a group. And just write your name down. Just leave it in your seat. Just give us a way to get in touch with you. And if you haven't filled out one of those cards before, you can fill it out right now on the Connect side. But we want to cultivate that community where we're there for one another. So what else does Gabriel say? She's favored. 
She's got that grace from God. God, and by the way, let me just before we go on, your starting place this morning, every one of you, your starting place this morning from the youngest to the oldest in the room is grace. Your starting place is grace. Not that we loved him first, but he first loved us. And so your starting place is God loves you. Some things might need to change in our life. We might need to repent of some things. We might need to stop doing some things. We might need to start doing some things. God's working on you. He's working on me, but you're loved. So let's move on. The Lord is with you. Still in verse 28. The Lord is with you. Why does he say that? Because we need to be reminded of the presence of God day in and day out. And she needed that. She needed that right then and right there. You are favored. God loves you. His grace is upon you. And he's with you. There's nothing more empowering in your life than to remember that the Lord is with you. Joshua chapter 1 verse 5 promises God will never leave us or forsake us the same way that he was with Moses, that superstar, spiritual rock star Moses. Same way he's with him, he's going to be with you. He will never leave you or forsake you. Now, what was Mary's reaction? All right, sounds great. Sign me up. Verse 29, that's coming. But at first, she was deeply, deeply troubled by this statement. Wondering what kind of greeting this could be. And yeah, when angels show up in scripture, they're not cute, okay? Angels look kind of freaky. And she was likely very scared, hence the next statement about to come up. People are usually scared when they encounter angels. And then on top of that, she doesn't understand, she's, she's still taking this all in. It doesn't make sense to her. No, 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 I'm just an ordinary 12-year-old girl from Nazareth. God, no, 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 I don't, like great things don't happen to me. Like, miracles don't happen to me. I'm a virgin. Like, like this isn't, how, and so then the angel told her, don't be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor. Again, when you find favor with God, it's because you already have the favor. You just find it as it is. We don't cultivate favor. I was taught from an early age, again, in the system that I was brought up in, that you could merit favor, that you could earn it, that you could do spiritual things and that would merit you that grace and that favor. And I'm just here to tell you this morning, that's not true. It's actually something we call heresy. It means it's false doctrine. And it's giving people a false assurance that they can merit for themselves grace. If they just try hard enough, then you can pay God back for all the things, for all the sin. And what Gabriel reminds Mary is like, no, it's entirely of the Lord. It's entirely, don't, don't be afraid, Mary. Why? Because you found favor with God. God loves you. He's about to do something incredible in your life. That Greek word is charis. Have you ever met anybody named charis? Or where we get our English uh, name Karen, which has been totally break through the mud the past couple of years. Uh, now, Karen, Karen and Brandon, right? Let's, let, let's go Brandon doesn't mean what it used to either. All right, so charis. It's a grace, it's a kindness, it's a gift. It's a gift. As you look at the gifts under your tree this year, remember, the first gift you've received each and every day is the grace and the love of God. It's his grace that draws you in. It's his grace that draws you first to salvation, that, that prevenient grace that provides the opportunity for you to be saved. And then as you are saved, there's that salvific grace that forgives you of sin. And then there's that sanctifying grace that makes you more like Jesus every day. If you're a Christian in the room, that's that sanctifying grace. And so, the angel told her, don't be afraid. You found favor 
with God. When, she, when it says she's deeply troubled, this isn't the skeptical kind of thing that Zechariah struggled with. When Gabriel showed up to Zechariah, the priest, remember he's in that holy place, he's offering the incense, the angel shows up, freaks him out too. And he, he has some questions about what the angel says, but his questions aren't coming from the right place. His questions are skeptical. His questions are infused with doubt. And we, we've talked about this past couple of weeks, the foundation for our questions needs to be humility. It's never a bad thing. Hear me this morning. I, I hope you've never heard in church that it's like unfaithful to have questions. It's okay to have questions, right? And kids, we, we want you to have questions to ask mommy and daddy. And mommy and daddy aren't going to know all the answers, but guess where they're going to go? They're going to go to the Bible and look up the questions. And when they don't know those answers, they're going to reach out to their friends and their community group. And we're going to help each other. And that, that's why we study scripture in a community together. But here's the deal. Mary's questions were not the same foundation as Zechariah's questions. When she says she's deeply troubled, she's just confused. Remember, remember she's 12. She believed in God. She had a great faith. You should read her song that she wrote just after this passage in Luke 1. Let me tell you something about Mary and her foundation. She was humble and poor in spirit. Humble and poor in spirit. That's how the Beatitudes start. Matthew chapter 5, verses 3 through 6. Jesus says, blessed are those who are poor in spirit. What does that mean? I show up, Jesus, and I'm spiritually bankrupt. Apart from you, I can do nothing. I, I need you. I need you to fill my life with your grace gift. I need your words to help me. And so, you know what Mary was? You can just write this word down if you're taking notes. She was available. She had an available heart that said, here I am. I have questions, but I'm available. This was a foundation of humility and faith. And so listen to this about God. Let's, let's, let's move on to our third statement here. Our God is about showing his favor. Those are the second one, but let's put the third one up. Let's put the third one up. This one's a little longer. Let me tell you what else God does. He casts a vision. Our God casts a vision for our life that is beyond our plans and involves us in his saving work through Jesus. I know that's long. We're going to leave it up there for a second. In the next few verses, you're going to, guys, God, it's God's vision for our life that we should be obsessed with and looking at. Sometimes we have our own plans. We have our own dreams. And we all come to a point where I, where I think we come to this intersection, this kind of crossroads where, where we go, God, I was kind of planning on this, but you know, I'm kind of reading in your word this and sensing a fork over here between what I thought things would look like and what you're actually doing. This has happened many times in my life. Um, I'll give you an example. I went to college to be a band director. I thought I was going to be in a school just like this, directing band. I never, I never thought in a billion years that I would be doing what I'm doing, especially as a young child when I had a severe stuttering speech impediment. I was the last kid you would have picked to have come up on a stage and tried to clearly communicate anything. You would have been waiting a while because I had such a severe stutter. Again, the last like unlikely, most, most unlikely, that would have been me. And it's not a brag on me. What that is, is it's an example of the vision for my life that I had from a very early age looks very different now. And it's because, God's, because God is now in charge of my life. When I gave my life to him at 19, going on 20 years old, there, there was a fork in the vision that I had. No, no, no. God's like, no, you're going you're gonna to go into ministry. 
What does that look like, God? I thought it, I thought it meant I was going to put on a robe and eat beans and rice and live at the church and never have kids. I mean, that's what I thought ministry was. And I could not have imagined that this is what, that at 19 going on 20 at that moment when Jesus Christ saved my soul, that this would be where, where, where I would be at mid-30s. But God's vision for our life is beyond our plans. Listen to verse 31. Let's read this together. Now listen. You will conceive, listen to the will language here, you will conceive and give birth to a son. You will name him Jesus. Pretty, pretty clear instructions, right? <laughs> and he's really not giving her instructions. He's saying this is what is going to happen. Because God's promises are as if they have already happened because he's that faithful. Like they, they always happen. God doesn't promise something, doesn't declare something, and it's like, eh, who knows? No, you will conceive and give birth to a son. Again, this is totally overwhelming her right now because she's like, how can that, how can that be? And we're getting there. You will name him Jesus. Jesus means savior. Christ means king. So he's our savior king. It's not like first name Jesus, last name Christ. No, Jesus is his name, means savior. He's gonna be the savior of the world. Christ, he's the Messiah. He's, he's the king. He's the anointed one. You will conceive, give birth to a son. You will name him Jesus, verse 22. So what about this Jesus? He will be great. In fact, he's not just going to be great, he's going to be perfect. And he will be called the Son of the Most High, the Lord God. Which, by the way, the Father, the Father here, Father is addressed as Kyrios, Lord, and so is the Son. He is also Lord. All three persons of the Trinity are referred to as God in the New Testament. So we're getting a lot of Trinity here. Very specific. Jesus is the Son of of the Most High, the Lord God will give him the throne of who? Here we are again, his, his father, David. This means that Joseph was through earthly lineage related to David. So like his kinfolk all the way back to David. And then that promise of David to bring about the Messiah from his family. So we're pointing back to that promise again. And what about this king? He will reign over the house of Jacob. If you go further back, they're related to Jacob all the way back to the book of Genesis. So this family that God started all the way back in Genesis, this really dysfunctional family that did not get it right sometimes, uh, actually very rarely got it right. They always needed God and God always took care of his people all the way, all the way, all the way until this moment in this little shack of a town called Nazareth. And then in this moment, he's like, this is the king. This is the one. And as Mary hears this, Mary, Mary was brought up in the Old Testament. You're going to see a 12-year-old girl write a theologically rich song in the next part of Luke chapter one. You should go read it this, this week on yourself. It's called the Magnificat, and it is the, I mean, it's just a beautiful Old Testament rich view of a girl worshiping her Savior, her God, and also just recounting all that God's done in keeping his promises. Listen to what happens in verse 34. Remember how I referred to Mary's questions? Listen to this. Mary, Mary asked the angel, so this mirrors Zechariah's moment, but she asked the angel, how can this be? since I have not had sexual relations with a man. She asks this question, how can it be? She doesn't, she doesn't doubt that God can do it, even though the word can is in there. Her heart, we, we know this from the song she sings shortly after this in scripture, that it's not from skepticism. Again, this is from clarity. This is from a, a humble place. So she asks in humility. We know this because Gabriel doesn't rebuke her like he rebukes Zechariah. He can tell this is 
This is a 12-year-old girl asking out of just honest curiosity, like, how is God going to do this? And we've all been there, right? We've all had that. Like, I see what you say, God, but how is that going to work out? And we see through Mary's example, it's perfectly legit to have a question like that. You're, you're not unfaithful for asking God how. He may not tell you how. He usually doesn't because why? Because Hebrews 11 says that without faith, it is impossible to please God. That we're going to come to this point. We're going to travel with God until we finally get to this edge. And to take that next step is going to take some faith. If I look at you right now, this is kind of, this is kind of physically uh, dangerous and hopefully this doesn't backfire. But I'm going to do something real quick. Ready? I took a step. I did not look down below me to wonder if this step was going to still be here or not. But I simply looked out and I trust that this step will still be here when I'm looking. Not a perfect illustration, but it reminds us that when we take that step out from God, we we will not be able to see where our feet are going to land but we trust that he'll be able to take care of us. And we cannot reduce faith out of our walk with him. We desperately want to sometimes, don't we? We, we? we want all the evidence and all the information and everything on the table so that it can be nice and neat. We get the blueprints and we can see exactly what's coming, but that doesn't grow us in our faith. God will grow you. The more you step out in faith like that, he will strengthen your faith. Friends, it gets easier and easier to believe upon God each time you trust in him like that and you watch him come through, maybe not in the way that you thought, but he still comes through. He's faithful. He builds your faith like that. You, you hear of how he's working in your friend's life and, and in your community group, you're sharing these different things and you're, like, and you're reading in scripture of what he's done in the past and just all these things put together and it builds up a strong faith. And Mary asked her question in faith. Listen to this part about God. These last couple of things. We're gonna go through these fairly quickly. Our God Listen to what he does. Ready? Let's, let's, let's put this on the screen so y'all can write it down. Our God overshadows our inabilities to accomplish the impossible. I'll read it one more time. Our God, he overshadows our inabilities to accomplish the impossible. And we're going to read uh, these uh, verses here, 30, 35 through 37. The angel replies to her, so... How, how can this be, she asked. The angel replied to her, not a rebuke, but he says, the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, fully God, but God's Spirit, will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And underline that, overshadow you, because here is the answer to our moments when we say, how can this be? God is going to give you a power and an anointing outside of yourself that doesn't even make sense at the time, you'll find yourself, the more you say yes to God, when you just put your yes on the table, you say, God, my, my, my yes is on the table. Whatever you want me to do, it's yes. And when God makes that clear for you to step out in faith, I can guarantee you it will be something to make you feel uncomfortable. I can guarantee you it, w- it will be outside of your comfort zone because God knows that's good for us. Just like parents, you know it's good for your children for them to try new things to to, you know, to eat new vegetables, right? To, you know, to try different things and to experience new things because you know that that's an important part of the growth. God does the same thing with us. And so he will overshadow you. He will, he will give you the power that you do not have. He will overshadow you. Therefore, the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. 
They're trying to drive in a point, right? Jesus' sonship. It's a very, very important theological statement that is the fundamental disagreement of the, uh, of the world religion, Islam. The denial of the sonship of Jesus Christ. And so, consider your relative Elizabeth. They were cousins. Mary, Mary Elizabeth, are cousins. They're related. Even though she conceived a son in her old age, Elizabeth was barren. Remember, another miraculous birth. Not quite the same as, as, as Mary's, but still miraculous. She's pointing to that. And this is the sixth month for her who was called childless. For nothing will be impossible with God. If you memorize one scripture this Christmas, one new scripture, maybe make one, Luke one thirty seven your verse. Nothing is impossible with God. Nothing is impossible with God. Man, I have to, I have to say that to myself all the time. Because there are certain things in my life, there are certain things in my path right now, there are certain things in our journey as a church even, and, and just different, different things that I see sometimes. And I'm just like, wow, God, that looks impossible. And that is exactly the kind of stuff that God loves to show up and to show you his power. But what does he do? He overshadows you. He overshadows us with his light and with his love. How does that happen? Guys, the primary work of overshadowing us, it's when we are bathed in scripture. Literally, these words just surround us. And that is why this next year, we're going to make it really clear over the next couple of weeks of how you can um, actually uh, purchase a, a book that we're going to have available here. You can purchase it when you come to Anchor or you can, uh, or you can order it yourself. We're going to provide more information about that. It's called Foundations. And what it is, it's, it's a 260-day Bible reading plan. It gives you some days off built in for next year. And I hope maybe, maybe this will be the first year upcoming in 2023 that you've made it all the way through Scripture. And not just to say, yay, we made it through the Bible. Like, that's really good. But so that we can just make a conscious commitment to reading and studying God's Word daily. And it starts small, guys, in just, in just a few minutes a day, and maybe that'll grow to 30 minutes a day. or you know, more. It's really not about the amount of time. It's about the consistency. And then beyond that, you, we're going to have some smaller, small groups that will meet in, in, at different times throughout the week, and you'll have some options of when you can meet up with that smaller, small group to talk about what you've been reading and to encourage one another. And these groups will meet at all different times. We'll even have a Sunday morning group. So if Sunday morning, if you want to come early to church and meet with that group, we're going to have all that information to you really soon. Why did I tell you about that? Because that's what the overshadowing looks like. Like God will, God will just consume you with his word. And, and guys, the word does the work. The power that we have in Jesus Christ, in our God, is through his word. It's living and active. And what is Mary hearing right now? God's word. So, nothing will be impossible with God. But lastly, our God invites us. Our, our God's a, he's a visiting God. We talked about it. He's a visiting God. He's a, he's a sending God, but he's also an inviting God. What did Jesus say all the time? He said, come, come and see. Come to me, all you who are weary and tired, and I will give you rest. He's an inviting God. He invites us to surrender through faith as willing servants. Not as begrudging servants, not as hesitant servants, but willing servants. It doesn't mean servants that don't struggle. It just means that we're willing, we're available. We're like, God, it's not, it may not be pretty the whole way. It might be a struggle. I might, I might fail forward a little bit in this way. But in reality, I'm going to take each next step and I'm going to trust you. And look at what Mary says in verse 38. And here's our example. Here's our great example in the Virgin Mary. 
full of grace. See or look, behold. That's when you really know you've got to underline that next part. <laughs> Anytime we get a behold. I am the Lord's servant. I'm the Lord's servant, said Mary. May it happen to me as you have said. There's God's word. We come to God's word. We say, yes, I agree with that. Yes, I'm on board with that. It's not about my word. It's not about my plan. It's not about my kingdom. God, it's about your kingdom. It's about your word. It's about your glory. That's a different life, friends. When your eyes are off yourself like that and they're on God and they're on his purposes, man, buckle up. You want to experience some joy? That's where real joy is found. When we seek first the kingdom of God and all his righteousness and all these other things, Jesus promises they will be added to us. We seek first his kingdom. She says, I'm the Lord's servant. A servant, a servant is entirely consumed with pleasing his or her master. And we say, God, I got an audience of one. It is all about glorifying you. So let me invite you this morning to embrace a humble heart like Mary, a reflective heart like Mary. We take time to reflect. Believing heart like Mary and a submissive heart. Humble, reflective, believing, submissive. This is what God's inviting us to. So let me ask you today, which part of the message this morning, which, which one of these truths of God really got your attention today? What phrase that maybe I've said over the past 36, 37 minutes, what part stops you in your tracks and you're like, I think that's what God's doing in my life. I think that's what he's I think that's what he's encouraging me. I think that's what he's encouraging me with today. I think that's what he's challenging me to do. And maybe you just want to write it down right, right now. Like, what is God saying to you? I want us to think about that every, every week. Okay, and I know no one, I, not even myself. I, mean, I, I know we're not going to hear every word of the 37, 38 minutes, 40 minutes that we have a sermon, okay? But there are going to be some moments where God makes something really clear. And I just don't want you to miss it. Maybe just write that down real quick and just, or, or, or just dwell on it in this moment because we're about to enter, enter into a time of response. And we do this not, not just because we have to have one more song before we go because that's just the formula, but we really want to think about this. We really want to be reflective. So let me invite you now to pray. Let me invite you just to bow your heads, close your eyes, unless you're writing something down, then finish writing that down. Like, let me just ask you, what is God saying to you right now? If you don't know, that's okay. It's okay. Sometimes it's unclear. Pray for his clarity. But what is God saying to you right now? What is he calling you to do? Where is he showing up in your life right now, Christian, to violate your comfort zone and call you to something that's too hard for you to do, but not too hard for him to do? Who's he calling you to invest in as a missionary? Maybe it's not something he's calling you to do. Maybe it's an area where you just need God's strength. Maybe you just feel weak this week. Maybe you feel tired and burdened. Let me just repeat the words of Jesus in Matthew 11. These words are so rich and so timely. I feel like for me every week, every day. Come to me, all you who are weary, and I will give you rest. Maybe you just need to ask Jesus right now. Jesus, be my spiritual rest in this moment. Pray that right now. Pray it out loud, pray, pray it in your mind, in your heart. Hey, but for some of you today, for someone in this room, I, I just know, in a room this size, this many people sitting here together, some of you 
would admit, you would, you'd say, Brandon, I've never really started that journey with Jesus. I need to begin to walk with him. I believe the stuff in my head, but my heart's not his. If that's you this morning, I was there for two decades of my life. I believed every fact, but I never repented of my sin and trusted in Jesus and his work. And what is his work? He died on a cross for everyone in this room, for your sins and my sins. He completed that work so that we could trust in his work and be forgiven of our sin. Spend forever with him in eternity in heaven. And he didn't just die for us, but he rose again to show that he's victorious, that he really is God. He really is the perfect son of God. And if you need to trust in him today for salvation, to be saved from your sins, to be connected with God, to be reunited with him, you can do that right now in this very moment. Just call upon the name of Jesus. Tell him simply, Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. I believe in you as the son of God, the one who died for my sin, the one who rose again. And I need your mercy and your grace to fill my life. The same way it filled Mary's life. I need, you, I need your grace to fill my heart and life. Ask him to make you born again. To make you into a new creation. And just tell him simply, Jesus, I'll follow you anywhere. If that's your heart today, if that's, I'm not telling you what to say, I'm inviting you to embrace Jesus in this moment, if that's you today. You can just pray to him right where you're at. It's not a formula. Use your own words. Just give your life to him today. Start the best journey you will ever start, the most important decision you will ever make in your whole life. If anyone today prayed to receive Jesus in this room, please let us know. Please grab that card and say, I gave my life to Jesus Christ today. Or come and, or come and tell me. And I, I'm, I may do a backflip. I, I don't even know that I can do one, but I may do one. We want to walk with you. We want to journey with you. I'm going to pray for all of us. Lord, may your perfect word overshadow this church. You're doing great and awesome and mighty things. And God, we are not just planning a church. We are planning a movement, a movement of you, not one that we want to take credit for, not a kingdom of our own that we want to build. God, we're just trying to build your kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven. Work alongside other churches that are trying to do the same thing so more people can meet Jesus. God, help someone in this room meet Jesus today to give their life to you, Lord. And for those that have been found, for those that have found favor in this room, God, I pray that you would use them to get someone here that needs to hear the gospel. Or that our church would be filled with more and more that desperately need your saving grace and that we would see testimony after testimony of lives changed and you would use every missionary in this room all of us on mission together use us overshadow us and may your power flow out from us as we tell other people of what you've done in our life and of the good news of Jesus Christ God, help us respond. Help us just ask you through this song we're about to sing just to invite you. Lord, oh, come, oh, come, Emmanuel, God with us. Be our Lord, be our light, be our salvation. We'll lift all this up in Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand with me, friends? Let's worship God. Again, we're just gonna sing out. Come, oh, come, Lord. Surround us with your presence and do great and mighty works in our midst. Sing together. Thanks for listening. 
For more information, visit anchorchurchcsra.com or follow us on social media at anchorchurchcsra.